I invite you to open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, as we are nearing uh, the end of this uh, delightful uh, letter, this book. Uh, as you're doing that, I just want to welcome uh, Mike and Naomi, Naomi Scout, Naomi. And uh, it's so good to have you folks here with us and the kids. And um, the installation service was Thursday night. Uh, we thank you to those who came out for that. And so Mike is going to be um, sort of moving around uh, the congregation and the ministries, getting to know us, getting to know uh, the various ministries. I encourage you to um, invite Mike and Naomi over to your home uh, then, and uh, just get to know this uh, dear brother and sister. And uh, as uh, they are uh, working on um, a church plant for Harvest Church for the Kingdom of Christ uh, over East Zealand. And so um, it's great to have you here with us and looking forward to uh, the, just the way the Lord's going to use you uh, to expand his, his cause. This uh, morning we are uh, Hebrews chapter 13. The title of our message is uh, The Joy of Obeying Elders. I like that title uh, because it's, uh, I don't like many of my titles, I like this one, uh, because it's counterintuitive, I think, and uh, I think it's exactly what um, the writer is, is calling us to. And so, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, I'm going to begin reading at verse 10 so we catch uh, sort of the context and uh, we'll read through verse 19. Let's give our attention to God's word. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. The privilege of a Christian. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. God in heaven, we thank you for your, uh, your word, your living, enduring, active, transforming word. And thank you, O oh God, that this morning we can open it up and by your Holy Spirit be led through these green pastures and drink of the river of life that uh, is found here. I pray, Lord God, that we would hear the voice of our Savior and we would uh, happily respond with faith and obedience. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. I have to confess that as I started preparing for uh, the message this week, I, I had the feeling of taking one of those tests. Uh, I'm sure you've done that in the past at some point where you're presented a, uh, an array of different items in image, maybe images, and you're asked to say which one doesn't fit. So maybe you see an apple and a banana and a basketball, and you've got to identify, okay, which one doesn't fit? Uh, and of course, it's the basketball. And uh, when you put this text um, together with the previous two texts, uh, this text is the basketball, at least at first glance. 
Uh, we've been talking about really grand, glorious things, and many of you have commented about how much you enjoyed uh, the messages where we talked about verses 13 and 14, uh, where this, this magnificent call to follow Jesus Christ outside the gates. Here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. And then verse 15 and 16, we talked about the nature of pilgrim worship. Now, those are, those are grand themes. Those are truths that will stir your heart. Obey your leaders and submit to them doesn't have the same ring. It doesn't have the same lift to it, at least at first glance. But uh, what if the Holy Spirit, who inspired these words, uh, knew what he was doing? What if uh, verse 17 follows these grand themes on purpose? Which, of course, they do. Uh, verse 17 uh, is in this order and in this place by the sovereign wisdom of God. And, and it doesn't take a lot of thought to see how uh, it, it follows naturally. You see, the entire letter is about this Christian pilgrimage that we're on. A pilgrimage that has been defined as looking to Jesus and seeking that better country. Here we have no lasting city. There we have a reigning, gracious high priest and king. And we live, in a sense, right in that, in that tension of a passing world and permanent glory. There's so much that is ahead of us, such goodness, such glory in the land that is, uh, that is promised, in the city whose builder and maker is God. And so the writer has, has told us, Let's, let us therefore run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He's pointed out throughout the letter that the greatest tragedy that could ever happen to a person is to be uh, at one time walking on this pilgrim journey to that heavenly city and then for some reason stop walking to give up, to miss out on the grace that could have been theirs. How shall we escape if we ignore or turn aside from such a great salvation? And, and he's writing to people who are being so tempted. The way is so hard. The road is so long. But the writer, he reminds them of Jesus who calls them, of the city that waits for them, and... The gifts, the helps that God has given to them. That God has given to them men specifically gifted and called to watch over their soul and help them on this pilgrim journey. They're not doing it alone or without the oversight, the careful watch of Jesus Christ minister to them through men called to that task. And so this morning, uh, as I said, the title is The Joy of Obeying Elders, and, and uh, we're going to look first at the, the joy of obedience in general, and then the blessing of spiritual leadership in particular, and then the promise of gain for those who submit to this. And so let's first of all look at the joy of obedience. Obey 
your leaders and submit to them. Uh, If we're honest, the terms obedience and submission do not sound like happy words to most of us. They might sound necessary, they might sound good, true, but most, for most of us, I don't think our heart leaps when we hear obedience and submission. And we live, we need to recognize that we live in a culture, we swim in this cultural soup of, uh, of human autonomy where people demand the right to uh, dictate their own truth and, and, and to submit completely on the basis of their own preferences. In fact, we live in a culture where obedience, required obedience and, and submission is seen as a violence against personhood and human freedom. Uh, Justice Kennedy enshrined the, the spirit of our age in his infamous Obergfell Declaration where he says, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and the mystery of human life. In other words, the essence of human freedom and liberty is to act as if there is no God, as if there is no creator who actually made us, and by virtue of that fact, alone has the right to define existence and meaning and the universe and the mystery of human life. You see how uh, the, the conviction of Justice Kennedy is the conviction of our age and of human, fallen humankind in general, and it is dramatically opposed to the conviction of God the Father. The devil could not have said it better. In fact, it's, it's nearly precisely what he did say to Eve in the Garden of Eden when he tempted her to sin. Has God really said? Why should God get to define the terms? Don't let God hinder your full human potential. God is nervous that you're going to become like him. He's, he's trying to thwart your human potential. And, and, so, and, and ever since Adam and Eve decided to go ahead and define their own concept of meaning and ate the fruit that God had forbidden them to eat, the defining characteristic of our ruined race is disobedience. All ye like sheep have gone astray. Each one has gone according to his own past. And consequently, the death that God has promised would follow covers the whole world. Now, in stark, glorious contrast to the disobedience that defines our ruined race... The defining truth of Christ and those who belong to him is the glory of obedience. We celebrate in the gospel the good news of a second Adam who conquered sin and destroyed death and and broke open the bars of hell through obedience. 
Jesus conquered by obedience. Romans 5.19, For as by one man's disobedience, Adam's, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Christ's, the many will be made righteous. The gospel is a celebration of obedience. The obedience of Jesus Christ, where he came humbling himself, submitting himself to the law of God in every way, loving the Lord his God with all of his heart and soul and strength, every day, never once wavering. The obedience of Jesus Christ is incredible. And that is what he offered up as he gave his life on the cross, his righteous life. And that righteous life, you see, is our hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We celebrate obedience. And if you're a Christian, a genuine Christian, that means that God has given you a new heart where his law has been planted on your heart, and you now have a new desire, and that new desire is for obedience. You hunger for righteousness. You, you delight to do the will of God, and it grieves you when you don't. It marks a Christian. And so obedience and submission may at first glance sound like something that we have to do as Christians. If it sounds like that, you, you just need to step back and look at the big picture and, and realize the truth of the matter is that obedience is what we get to do. It's what we get to do. And the more that your mind is, in, is aligned with the Word of God... And the character of God, the more your heart is attuned to the Spirit of God at work and the will of God that He's teaching you, the more that you will desire the blessedness of obedience, the, the, the joy of submission to God. In fact, have you ever considered that one of the primary joys of heaven will be the joy of full, complete Willing, exhilarating obedience. Where every part of you, your heart and soul and mind and strength, will vibrate in perfect tune with the character of your holy heavenly Father. Not a false note anywhere in your life. Do you hunger for that? Does that sound like life? And joy, I hope it does. You see, if, if obedience is a beautiful, glorious, good, God-honoring, soul-satisfying reality, then Hebrews 13, 17 is not a hard saying requiring an unpleasant thing. It is a happy command from Christ our King leading us into the liberty and joy of glad obedience. And so obeying elders is a joy because obedience is a joy for God's people. Secondly, obeying elders is a joy because of the nature of their leadership, the blessing of spiritual leadership. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Uh, the writer here just reminds these early Christians that God has appointed leaders in his church. He's appointed elders, ruling elders and teaching elders, and we call pastors. And these are the men specifically called by God to be 
over and to, and to watch over the church. And the command then is to those uh, who belong to Christ and are members of his church to gladly obey and submit to God's appointed leadership. But I want you to, to see how the writer includes uh, words and truths to enhance our joy in this calling. Two things, particularly, I think it will, it will be helpful for, for us to see. First of all, the elders' duty. They keep watch over your souls as men who must give an account to God. They keep watch over your souls. That's what an elder is called to do, whether you be a ruling elder, a teaching elder. And the idea of watching over, of course, is taken from the fields where shepherds were watching over their flocks by night. A good shepherd is... Uh, is someone committed to, to leading the sheep into green pastures and, and making sure that they have protection in the evening. He would, he would watch for diseases among the flock. He would get to know their, their own personal characters and, and, and tendencies so that he could care for them. He binds their wounds. He's on the lookout for wolves. He's willing to place himself between them and danger if need be. Uh, John Curry once described the task of elders as feed sheep, fight wolves. That's pretty close. Feed sheep, fight wolves. And just to remind you, God calls his people sheep. It's not necessarily a compliment, as you know. Of all the livestock, sheep are pretty universally regarded as the most helpless, the most desperately in need of a shepherd, they need to be watched. They, they, they need to be part of a flock and then have a shepherd caring for them on their own. They're, 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 a, they're a loss, complete loss, a ruin. But even in, in the flock, a, a whole flock can easily be led astray. Well, that's the same for us. Do you know of any lone rangers out there, Christians who are not plugged into any body, who are not under the oversight of of pastors and elders. Do you know of any lone rangers out there that are just thriving and flourishing in their Christian life? I don't know of any. In fact, uh, if you watch lone rangers, you'll, you'll see them wander off and soon uh, come to a, an unhappy end. Do you have any sense of how, throughout the history of the church, how many people have been led astray by false unfaithful shepherds? Israel, the nation of Israel, God's own people, rejected the Messiah because of their false shepherds. And they were people just like you and me. If we had lived in Israel, in, in Palestine, in the, in the days of Christ, um, we, we would almost certainly have followed the leaders. We, all, we almost certainly would have rejected Christ. So do you have a sense of, of how dependent you are upon faithful shepherds who keep watch over your soul? I, I want you to consider how highly you should regard God's appointed leaders. Um, most of you have a great appreciation and respect for your doctor because they watch over your body. They diagnose diseases and prescribe cures or helps so that you can live a, a healthy life. And most of you value the local police officers, at least you should. 
They protect your property. They, they work to ensure your safety. Willing to put themselves in harm's way if necessary. Remember when we lived back in Chino, got a knock on the door about 2 o'clock in the morning, and uh, I, I couldn't figure out who, who that might be. We uh, look out the window, and there's a man sneaking through the backyard into uh, the garage. And so I, I called the police, and they were quickly there, and they caught the man as he was stealing things uh, out of the garage. I was very happy to call the police, and I was very happy to sit in the, in the living room and, uh, and wait until they let me know that it was all taken care of. I was deeply appreciative. Uh, even lawyers are appreciated. <clears throat> if you're in legal trouble... Isn't it nice to have someone who knows the rope, someone who can guide you through the, the system, someone who has taken to himself your legal well-being? Praise the Lord for men who can, and women who can do that. But you see, uh, doctors and lawyers and policemen are all protecting passing things. Your body will decline and will die. Your property will be consumed either by moth and rust and, or, and fire or uh, to your progeny who will probably waste it, right? It's, it's, it's not going with you. Your legal rights will not matter to you when you are in the grave. Your soul is the immortal you. So when the writer says they keep watch over your soul, he means they keep watch over your eternal interest, your eternal well-being, your eternal safety. They're watching out for your eternal blessedness and happiness. So if that's true, people, then how highly should you value those that God has given and called specifically to care for the eternal you. I just, I just couldn't imagine you valuing any office and any ministry more highly. But the writer wants us to see not just the elders calling, but he wants us to see the father's desire in this. So, so he tells us they keep watch over your soul as men who must give an account. He's not just saying they're going to be in big trouble if they don't do it. He's saying they're going to be in big trouble before your father in heaven if they don't do it. This is like, this is like a father who's letting his daughter go out on a date. And he says to the young man, uh, these are the things I expect of you. I expect you to take care of my daughter. I expect you to honor her. I expect you to have her home on a decent time. I expect you to treat her in a certain way. And if you don't, I will still be here at 11 p.m. or 12 p.m., whatever it might be. Now, the daughter might go, oh, Dad. But you know what she's thinking, I hope, in her heart? I'm so glad my dad loves me. I'm so glad that my dad doesn't care what this young man thinks. Ultimately, he cares about my protection. See, that's how you should... That's how you should feel when you, when you hear this. That God has called men to serve you and he will hold those men accountable. You should sense the deep protecting love and kindness of your heavenly father. Listen to Paul's charge to the elders in the church of, uh, of Ephesus. We read in Acts 20, 28. 
He says to them, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's the divine calling. Men are not here by accident, not by social convention, but by divine intention. And then he says, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Do you you realize that the church is God's most treasured possession in all the earth? It is the only blood-bought item he owns. It's the only blood-bought item he owns. And he calls in specific men to care for his church, to lead and shepherd and watch over his most treasured possession. Why does he do that? Because he loves his church. And he knows that you need leadership. And he knows that we're prone to wander. He knows the devil is continually on the prowl. He knows that wolves are going to secretly slip in. He knows we need to be continually nourished and fed the green in the green pastures of gospel grace. He knows we need help. We need someone to care for our soul, to diagnose our diseases, bind our wounds, admonish and rebuke us when we're wandering off the path and fend off the wolves that surround us. Now, the, the question that, that it seems natural to ask to me is that why not send angels? It'd be so much more helpful. You, you just don't see people. When angels show up in the Bible, you see people getting in line. And they would understand right, fully the holiness and character of God. Can you imagine what a, a two-minute conversation with an angel who would say, listen, let me explain what's up. But he doesn't. He calls men, fallible men. Why? Well, I think because God knows we need spiritual leaders who... Uh, are sinners like we are, and so can show the compassion and kindness of our sympathizing high priest. And because being sinners, we know the way to the cross. An angel doesn't know the way to the cross. He can point it out to you, but he can't lead you there. But elders can. And so, friends, when you see your pastors and elders, you should see the loving hand of your heavenly Father. He bought you with the blood of his Son, and he's provided for you men called by him and accountable to him to care for your eternal well-being. There is no one on earth you should more gladly receive and obey and give glad submission to than the men God your Father has lovingly given to you to lead you and to care for your soul. This does not mean that your leaders won't err at times. We do. We will. We will sin. We will fail. And if we ever lead you contrary to the word of God, you have a responsibility before God to refuse that that direction, that teaching. We must obey God rather than men. And when that happens, if that happens, then then you also have a responsibility to call us to repentance and then to pray that we'll have the ability to see the truth and the humility to confess our sin and the grace to grow from the whole experience. And there will be times when you disagree with a decision that's been made. And when that happens, feel free to speak to us and talk about it, 
But ask yourself as you engage in that, and, and, and please do feel that you have a right to engage in that. You're, you're not subjects. You're the church of Jesus Christ. But, but, but a question to ask is, is, what will be more pleasing to my heavenly Father in this, in this engagement? Will it be my objections or my obedience? What, what, what should be my lean uh, to protest or to submit? You see, if, if obedience and submission is a beautiful evidence of a believer's life, and if elders are God's gracious gift to care for your soul, there should be a happy lean towards following their leadership. And I, I just praise God that so often that's exactly what I see. A congregation that, that leans into following and submitting, and, and having care for, and respect for the, the leadership, I think we'll continue to grow in this. You see, this lean carries the promise of joy for your elders and the promise of gain for you, and that's our last point. The promise of gain. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Let them lead with joy. Let, let the elders and the pastors who watch over you be happy in their work. Be, be delighted to have the privilege of leading such godly, gracious, happily obedient and submissive Christians. Uh, boys and girls, let me ask you a question. Boys and girls, do you know what brings the most uh, joy to your parents' heart? It's not how tall you are, how strong you are, are how beautiful you are. They, they like all that stuff, but boys and girls, that's not what makes them the happiest. It's when you say, okay, mom, and then do what she asks you to do without grumbling, without complaining. You just say, um, okay, mom, with a happy, submissive heart. That makes your mom's day. But you, do you know what is even better than that? It's when you, you do what you know that she would like you to do without her even having to ask. In fact, it's when you, when you show um, some kindness to your little sister just because you know that's what God would want you to do. Or when she catches you praying about something because that just seems the right thing to do to you. Boys and girls, there's nothing that makes your, your parents happier than to see God at work in your life and to see the, the, the evidences of that. Congregation's exactly the same for, for you. The joy of an elder is when we see you, the congregation, living your life with increasing humility and obedience and faith and joy, particularly when it's hard, particularly when there's heartbreak or disappointment. I love going in house visiting and, and hearing families talk about how they get together at the dinner table in the evening and they open up God's word and, and they pray. And they come to church Sunday after Sunday ready to hear the voice of Jesus in his word. Willing to acknowledge their sin. Longing for growth and godliness. I love hearing stories about uh, small groups where people are just being encouraged and nourished and Bible studies where they're being fed the word of God. I love hearing about ministries that are springing up because someone has a passion to bless somebody else and they just go to it. I love that the high school kids sit up front for, uh, in Sunday evenings 
And that the little kids sing with all their heart because, because they love the songs and they love Jesus. As elders, we love hearing testimonies where God's people come and confess their sin and, and ask forgiveness and for our help. And we're able to give that gladly and freely. There are great joys to be an elder and a pastor here at Harvest Church. And we want you to know that we do not take these things for granted. And when we do, we, we confess it. But there's also the groaning. The groaning happens when we see a blindness or stubbornness or belligerence. When we see marriages slowly disintegrate because of unrepented patterns of sin. When we see people weak in their faith because they're not paying attention to the means of grace. They're not latching on to the milk of the word of God. When we see division and discord in the body. When people refuse our spiritual counsel blow off our spiritual calling before God to watch over their soul. And it grieves us, you see, not just because we're offended. It grieves us because they're, they're, they're causing, they're wounding their own soul. I mean, if you refuse and reject the spiritual counsel of God's leaders as they're just opening this word and calling you to what Christ has called you to, if you get offended by that, and you take reproach because of that. And you, and you decide to blow off your elders and your pastors contrary to the specific command of Jesus Christ. How are you not refusing and rejecting Christ Jesus himself? And what do you expect to say to him on that great and awful day? When he asks you about Hebrews 13 verse 17. People, people take the discipline of the church as though it's just an inconvenience. Friends, if your elders are groaning over your life and grieving and calling you according to the word of God, you ignore that to the peril of your soul. That's the point he's making when he says, don't make your elders groan. That will be no advantage to you. The writer has a way through the book of saying things in a slightly underhanded way. That will be no advantage to you means there is peril here. There is danger to your soul here. If your shepherds have cause to groan over your life and grieve your stubbornness and sigh over your foolishness, how is that possibly going to be to your gain either in this life or the life to come and to ask the question is to answer it it will not be to your gain and so the, the writer calls us you see to obedience and submission for our gain and once again you, you just see the, the wonderful way that 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 the spirit has set this up you see it is your joy and your gain that god is is seeking your heavenly father wants you to flourish. If you're a parent, what do you want for your children? You want to see them flourish. You want to see them grow strong and, 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 and use their abilities for the glory of God. That's exactly what your heavenly father wants for you. He wants to see you thrive and grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to see you strengthened by faith, trained and taught by truth, nourished by grace, 
So that when you, when you finally stand at the entrance of that great city, you stand there loaded with the fruits of grace, the evidences of God's work in your life. That's what the Father longs for. That's what Jesus is praying for. Isn't that what you want? Would you want anything less? And friends, God has given you elders to help you in that. And how you respond to them will have a direct relationship to your gain in this world and the world to come. This is a good word. It's a good word. Let me wrap up with two quick applications. I want to encourage you to submit and obey when it's hard. Uh, there's a human nature, um, but, but uh, it might be, I don't know, I've, I haven't been around the country a great deal, but there seems to be a spirit in West Michigan of, of, of independence. We're, we're people who work hard, and, and uh, we, we use the gifts that God has given to us, and we, we move on, and we, and we bear the hard things, and we, we accomplish good things, not to draw attention to ourselves. We're just, we're just seeking to, to follow the Lord. But it can be tempting for people who are sort of self-reliant and, and, and independent, not in, a, not in a sinful way, but that's just part of our DNA. It can be tempting, you see, to then have a hard time submitting and obeying when you disagree. And you can quietly sort of say in your own heart, well, I recognize they have you know, the right to say or do that, but but I don't agree and I'm not participating. And even to say, well, if that's where they want to go, good for them, but, but I think, uh, I think we, need to, we need to leave and go someplace else. And that happens all over West Michigan. And friend, I, I just would encourage you to take that to the reality of Hebrews 13, 17. Either withdrawing privately and sort of saying, well, I, I just disagree, so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, not going to give, I'm not going to participate, I'm going to just continue to be, you know, be here and be fed, but I'm not really going to be engaged. I, I don't see that in obey and submit. Or if you say, well, there's, there's disagreement here, and, and we don't want to make a fuss, so we'll just kind of quietly walk out the door. I don't see that in obey and submit. Obey and submit means that that's our, that's, that's our passion, that's our lean, for Christ's sake. You see, we follow a Jesus who gave up the glory of heaven, who gave up the rights of heaven, and he humbled himself and submitted himself, and that's to be a, a mark of all of our lives, elders included, that we, we submit to the word of God, and we submit to one another, and we submit to the authority of Christ happily, happily, because we, we, we love our Father, and so a sign of spiritual maturity for any congregation, including Harvest, is going to be a growing appreciation for the elders and the pastors and a willingness, a displayed willingness to follow their lead because we follow a Jesus who humbled himself. We also then humble ourselves happily because we love Christ and we're deeply appreciative of the men God's given to care for our soul and our, our passion is to be like him and to be engaged in his mission. And then, and then finally this. You know, uh, a letter went out last week, and we're going to have a forum here in, uh, after the service about the session. We're just going to report to you some uh, sort of where we are as we're thinking about ex uh, expanding the scope and depth of the ministry of, of the gospel. And we've got some important decisions to make. Um, we're looking forward to sharing that with you uh, in a few moments. 
I want you to know, I did not pick this text for this occasion. Uh, This is where we ended up on this Sunday. And um, this could easily, I think it's a good word for us today, because this could be a time of, of discord. Uh, the direction that we end up taking might be disagreeable to some of you. It might not be uh, applauded by all of you. So then what? Well, let's, let's let God's word dwell in our hearts richly. And let's obey and submit as to the Lord, not only when we agree, but specifically when we don't. For Christ's sake, because he commands us to. And for your elders' sake, because they're striving to do what they think is most honoring to the Lord and what is best for your soul. And to do it for your sake, because your glad submission is to your eternal advantage. Congregation, let's just recognize how blessed we are as a church with elders who take their calling with utmost seriousness. God has blessed this church with, with godly men. Who, who care about the souls of this congregation and who want nothing more than to see it flourish and thrive. And God has blessed the elders with a congregation that is eager to learn and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is such a joy to preach to you, to see the attentiveness that you give to the word of God, the willingness to receive, even hard saints. Some of the things I've said this morning might rankle some of you a bit, but, 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 you're, but you're here, and, and I trust that your disposition is to say, Lord, help me to see. And... and, and um, Let's just, let's just praise God for that. Let's not take any of this for granted. Let's praise him for all of it as we together continue to follow Jesus in this world looking for the world to come. And let's make all the decisions that we make under the, the, the acknowledgement of our loving head, Jesus Christ, who calls us to follow him and then to obey our leaders and in the wonderful confidence that he will lead us for our eternal flourishing as we do so. Amen. Let's pray. God in heaven, we're humbled by your word today. We're humbled, Lord, as elders, by the the great weight of our calling. We're humbled, Lord, by the times that we've failed, by the times that we've discouraged the sheep by our lack of attention, or discouraged them, Lord, just by, by not leading well. And Lord, it grieves us when we grieve your sheep. And we ask your forgiveness. Lord, help us as elders and pastors to more and more have the heart of Christ for his blood-bought church and to serve her with joy. And Father, we, we confess as a congregation that this is hard at times to follow fallible men. But Lord, our heart wants to and and, and, and we, we ask you to forgive us when we've held resentment or we've made false assumptions. We've subtly accused our elders of sin because we disagree with a decision or a direction. Or, Lord, uh, because uh, we are not happy when they're speaking to us directly about our soul. And so, Lord, we, we acknowledge how needy we are as a church, and yet we also acknowledge how blessed we are as a church, that your word is leading and guiding us. Your spirit is present. Uh, the grace, Lord, that we all need 
is available to us day by day, week after week, and that together, Lord, we have the joy of growing and learning, humbling ourselves, preferring others' interests above our own, learning, oh God, how to lead and learning how to follow because it's what you want us to do. And Father, I pray that you'd give fruit to that. you give your blessing to that, that we would be a church that more and more reflects the nature of our Savior and more and more than is bearing fruit for the glory of God. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.